This interview with Abby Jew is the second in my series of deep dives with wedding professionals who sit at the top of their fields and offer a fresh perspective on what it means to find success in our businesses. I chose Abby because I wanted listeners to hear more about how she's done two of the hardest things a wedding pro can do. Number one, thrive in the luxury market, and two, scale her business. The fact that she's done both at the same time makes her rise in the industry truly remarkable. She doesn't just offer one of the best portfolios in the luxury space or an unparalleled client experience or a team of associates who are nearly as talented as her. She does all three and more. Today's conversation ranges from lessons Abby learned selling pharmaceuticals early in her professional career to how she focuses on designing a business around luxury mindsets. You'll hear not just how she implemented strategies, but also why they worked for her. And you'll walk away knowing it's possible not to sacrifice client experience when you scale your business in luxury. I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I did recording it with Abby. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Welcome to the episode that we're going to dive into what it's like for a business owner to own a business in the wedding industry. I've got Abby Jew of Abby Jew Photography joining me today. Abby and I have been colleagues for three plus years now, and we've gotten to know each other pretty well. And I know Abby's <laughs> business quite a bit, but I thought it would be really exciting to bring her on and share a little bit more with you, dear listener, about what it's like to own a business. So we're going to stay away from sales, pricing, and copywriting tactics today, and we're going to really pull the curtains back and and get a sense of what it's like for Abby to have gone through her journey as a professional and to own the business that she has right now. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that. So welcome, Abby. I'd love for you to introduce yourself for people who don't know you very well. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, my name's Abby Jew. I'm a photographer based in DC. I shot my first wedding in 2009. Um, I really just was not into my current job at the time, which was pharmaceutical sales and thought, hmm, I'll try this out and got my first wedding off of Craigslist and photographed a wedding and an engagement session for $200. Um, so that was the full amount. And I was, I remember the beginning of this wedding, the ceremony was at this hotel. And so the altar was a fireplace. And so it was like a diagonal uh, aisle. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to come down the aisle. I have no idea where to stand. <laughs> like I've only thought about like the center aisle. So yes, I started out from the beginning, not really knowing what I was doing. And now uh, 13 years later, is it 13 years? I think um, have been doing it and love it. Feel like I can still continue to grow, which is what I love. And also have a team of two other photographers at Abbey G photography that are associates and, um, we shoot weddings all over the world. Yeah, that's great. And, uh, the, the, the start in pharmaceuticals, that's kind of a interesting uh, transition from pharmaceutical sales to wedding photography. What was it that made you transition? What was it that, that 
you didn't like about pharmaceutical sales or what mm-hmm. was it that drew you to photography or was it a little bit of both? A little bit of both. I <laughs> I mean, pharmaceutical sales, you're kind of seen as a nuisance. You like walk into the office and they're like, oh, you're here. And I remember sitting in my car before going into the office. I was like, you know, if I didn't see any doctors today, no one would care except maybe my boss. And that like really bothered me that I was so unwanted. And that like that was my life is just going into these offices where I mean, kind of maybe they're happy to see me, but they also like really didn't care if I was there. So I wanted to do something that I was more needed. (laughs) (laughs) And, And you and you were doing this for how long before you decided to make the move? Five years. And I did both photography and pharmaceutical for a year. Wow. So you overlapped as you made the transition. What was it like to have a full-time job and then do some part-time work on the weekends and, and get that business up and running? Yeah. I mean, luckily, pharmaceutical sales, I mean, this was before COVID, obviously. So it was one of it, like it was an outside sales job, which I definitely wanted when I was in college. I did an internship um, where I sat in an office and I hated it. Like Friday at five, I was so excited that I didn't have to be in that office anymore. So I was like, I'm never doing a job in an office. So I definitely wanted to be outside sales, which proved to help um, in starting a business because uh, my boss lived in Richmond, so he couldn't really like oversee me as much. So I would post a Craigslist every day and answer emails on this like weird phone uh, while I was driving <laughs> around in pharmaceutical sales. So it did allow me to um, not be in an office and like be able to start it. And um, that was very helpful. So having some freedom and independence was important to you when mm-hmm. you were thinking about what you wanted to do with your future professional career, uh, doing something where you had a sense of being needed by your clients or your customers was another part. Were there some things that you were worried about making the leap from being on a salary or at least, you know, base plus commission, I'm sure some sort of of incentive structure, uh, plus, uh, you know, a a company that was backing you? Mm -hmm. What kind of things were you worried about when you first started your company? Yeah, I mean, pharmaceutical sales is a pretty cush job, especially when you're 22 and you just graduated college. Like, you get a company car, you would go out to eat. I remember our cap at the time was $150 per person for dinner. So we would go out to dinner all the time, take these dockers out. We got cell phones, all the stuff. So that was really nice, but also, um, you know, obviously didn't. I woke up and was not excited. So it was, I guess, a little bit hard to leave. But with that overlap of the year, I realized, you know, with weddings, you have your contracts that are about a year out or so. So I remember like adding them up one night and it was $50,000 that I had in future contracts. So I was like, okay, I think this is time. Like, I think I can do it. So that's kind of the leap that I took after I had added all those up. And when you made the move, did you have expectations about what work life would be? There's I bring this up uh, because I've seen memes, especially over the last couple of months when it's like you quit your nine to five so you can work 24 seven. Did you have any kind of expectations of what life would be like as an entrepreneur? Well, 
Honestly, with my pharmaceutical sales job, I was kind of bored because it was so easy. And so like, I couldn't even work 40 hours a week if I tried. So I was bored and I wanted something more. So that was exciting for me to be something, do something passionate. So where I was needed and like just took up more of my time because I wanted to be driven in that way. So not necessarily. I like dove head in and I was really excited about actually all the time it was taking. What was it like your first few years? Was it, you know, kind of that honeymoon phase that comes along with any kind of novelty in life or was it a struggle or did it just depend on the day? Um, I would say it was pretty invigorating because, again, I was coming from pharmaceutical sales where, like, I walked to an office. I was talking to this seven-year-old man who had way more education on me than these topics. And that was, like, my prime, I guess, it would almost be like in today's world, like a referral source, like the planner or something. Um, and it just wasn't that much to talk to them about. Um, so then I then like shifted it, used kind of that pharmaceutical sales background of targeting. And um, there was like, we'd had these targets, like our top doctors, you should see 16 times in X amount of weeks and all these things like that. So I used that kind of um targeting, not exactly the exact mathematical equation, but then my targets became my peers that were around my age and around the same, um, time in their lives. So that I remember being like, this is so much more fun to go to lunch with someone, a female that is single and young and, um, planning weddings. We had so much more to talk about. So it was actually a lot easier. I felt like. And I know that your background in in sales is actually different than many wedding pros have. I, I don't meet many people who who when I ask a question typically of an audience of a hundred in a live speaking engagement, I'll start my presentation by asking those who have had a sales background or sales training or held a sales job uh, to raise their hand. And out of a hundred people, I might get two or three. And so you're cer- certainly in in the super minority when it comes to having had that background, what other, what kind of advantages do you think it gave you when you started your company? Um, well, definitely like made my life easier from uh, who I was using as my referral source. But then also I think um, just like looking at it more from a business versus creative when starting your business and, um, you know, going up for weddings, trying not to take it personally when they didn't go with me. Cause I know that can be so hard, especially, I mean, when you first start and you feel like you've laid like everything out there on the table for them, I didn't have Sam yet, so I didn't know exactly what I was doing, but, um, it would, it would hurt sometimes, you know, when they didn't go with me. And so really just like getting back into it, like this is a numbers game. Cause that used to be what it always was too. You know, you have to do so many calls before you're going to make a sale. So really looking at it in that aspect and also looking at it as the referral sources, like how am I, I knew that I wanted to, at the time, like I wanted to build my business on getting published. So that meant I wanted to work with planners so that they would create those amazing details and we'd work together. So I really worked from the very beginning with planners. You know, I want to go back to this idea of it's a numbers game and having your feelings hurt because I know it's so hard to get used to. And I think even like, I don't know about you, but even now I'm, you know, I'm 16 years into being a part of the wedding industry and I've been doing some form of sales, uh, probably, you know, directly since I was 
well, obviously restaurant work, but when I was cold calling at my college for, you know, donations to the annual giving fund, uh, and, and I remember going through, I get a stack of, you know, profiles. This is back in 1996, 1997. I get a stack of profiles of people to call with their giving history and their background and jobs and majors and interests and things like that. And I'd call out of the blue between six o'clock and nine o'clock. And I was that annoying telemarketer who was trying mm-hmm. to get money. And, and I got a lot of no's and it was like getting punched in the gut over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. I, I've read somewhere and I forget who it was, Jeb Blown or or you know David Hoffeld, somebody else that wrote a sales training book, and and he said that that one of the recommendations that he has is when he hires somebody new or he's training somebody new that he give them a stack of fifty, a hundred names and numbers that he knows are going to be no's, so mm-hmm. that they go through what he calls rejection therapy, mm-hmm. where they get used to being rejected over and over and over again. So the sting of it and also the fear of it goes away, and then you can finally get comfortable with, you know what, this may not be a yes, but it's okay. I'm going to still do it. And I'm not going to take it personally. Yeah. Do you think that that gave you a head start when, when you moved into the wedding world? Yeah. So definitely because, so before pharmaceutical sales, I did one year of direct sales because I couldn't get into farm sales right out of college. So I did, I sold payroll. I worked for paychecks and that was like very similar to what you're describing. Like I would get a, like a list of people to call. And, and I remember my boss would be like, you know, for cold calls, it's one out of a hundred for, uh, you know, walking, it was different numbers for ratios of like converting a sale based on how you got that lead. And so I remember being deflated and dejected all the time. Cause I was like, you walk that person walking in, like, how do you do your payroll or who's the business owner? And I mean, it was very, very hard. And that definitely prepared me as well for, um, dejection. I mean, it still hurts sometimes, you know, but it definitely is that mindset that it is a numbers game. Like, yes, it hurts, but like, you know, they referred me a few times, like it's got to hit at some point. Mm-hmm. Do you and do you take that same approach that you had with pharmaceutical sales uh, and and kind of cold calling or, you know, quotas or numbers that you're shooting for every week or month for your outreach with you mentioned planners is a big part of your business and has been since day one. Do you do that? And when you build your professional network and and, you know, how, how has that led to some of your success, do you think? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think definitely just keeping some people in mind that I want to work with, or maybe some people that I've worked with before that want to, I would like to work with again and just trying to stay top of mind. I mean, we've talked about that before. That's so big. It's such a saturated market. And even when you get to, um, the higher end, it's, the competition is even stiffer. So uh, really just staying top of mind with people. And, and really, I mean, it's so much easier than these doctors, like forming these relationships. It is a lot easier to make them, you know, a colleague or a friend that you actually want to know. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, more than a dozen years in, you've probably formed genuine relationships mm-hmm. and friendships with a lot of these people that you do work with. Yeah. I mean, my baby shower was thrown by three wedding planners and that wasn't a, it wasn't an industry thing. It was like, they were my true friends. So it has turned into that. And that's been very nice too. Probably don't hang out with many of the doctors from your farm sale. <laughs> no, <day>. no. 
No. <laughs> uh, I'm curious. Let's switch gears a little bit to when you were first starting out um, or, or, or along the way or now. Uh, you know, we all have people that we look up to, role models. Um, you know, obviously you were new to wedding photography and trying to figure out your way. Who, who did you look up to? And in what ways did they help you grow to become the photographer or business owner that you are today? I feel like, you know, I don't really have like one person I that I could that comes to mind of one person that is my role model. Um, I know that like I've listened to podcasts and always getting like energized by that. And I recently listened to have you heard of it? The next chapter by an American Express. Have you started listening to that one yet? No, no, I, I really like it. Um, and so um, they've interviewed like Malcolm Gladwell. And recently I listened to Angela Duckworth. I really liked it. She's the one that Great. wrote grit, the power of passion and perseverance. And I really liked that um, because she was just saying that grit is really the most important thing. Like you can have talent and talent is super important, but if you have a lot of talent and no grit, you're probably not going to make it. And hers was more about hiring, which we use to when we're looking for new associates is like, if you have a lot of grit and a little bit of talent, I can teach you to be an amazing photographer because you need that push, you know, like if you're getting turned down or you get a no, or, you know, it is hour 12 at the wedding day and you're so tired and you still need to push to get those photos of the bride that changes into her second dress. And she might, you know, have had too many drinks and doesn't want to get the pictures, but you promised all these pictures. So you got to like dig in and get that grit and get those pictures. Like you always have to deliver for everyone. Yeah, that that passion and perseverance, uh, you know, for anybody who's listening to this, it's a it's super, super important to uh, to understand a little bit more about that, because study after study after study and even the meta studies that are studying the studies have all turned out the same thing, which is that grit, perseverance, determination, uh, you know, continued passion for what it is that you're doing, even through hard times is really the number one indicator for success. Yeah, I've, I've found that, too, because I have Lisa and I have Kayla that have joined the team. And that's really been the number one factor is that grit. Like, I need that grit. And if you have that, then we can be successful together. What are some of the things that you've had to use that perseverance and passion to get through? What are, you know, looking back, what are some of the big challenges that you ran into, whether it's at a pivotal moment or something that really uh, you know, pushed you into a different lane of, of business? Um, well, probably like a lot of people, the pandemic, you know, that was like a big reset button for everyone. Um, and for someone that likes to keep going and just to stop was very, very hard. Um, and you could sit back, do nothing. Or like, as we talked, like I remember you said, you know, you need to stay active because people are shopping around, like think of it as online shopping. Like they're putting things in their cart. They're just not ready to buy because we don't know what the world is like right now, but it will open up. So that was like a very big turning moment. Um, one to get through all of those rescheduling, contracts, but then also like, how am I going to set up the business that when it does open up that we are ready? Cause it is going to flood open and we're going to have more weddings than we've ever had. And it's going to be crazy. And so that was like a big pivotal moment to put a lot of systems in place to help run the business instead of me doing so much, like hiring outsourcing for a lot of things. 
And are you taking some of the things that you experienced and learned and developed during that period and using them now that we're kind of through the darkest moments of the pandemic? <laughs> yeah, darkest moments for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I said, like the outsourcing and really just setting up a business that runs itself. So it's so nice, like having the team with my associates, Lisa and Kayla, it becomes more like running a business versus just a, a business of one because I needed, we need to take care of everyone. So then on top of that, we have a virtual assistant. We have someone who helps us with all our gifting. We have someone who helps run our social media. We have so many things that like if I go into engage, I'm not sitting back and have to answer a ton of emails in the background every day. The business is running itself. I mean, I, de I definitely still have to do some emails, but I don't have to answer every lead and I don't have to mark an invoices paid. Like those things are running. So then I can enjoy engage and enjoy vacations with my family. So that's been such a big thing because I didn't have those systems in place really before the pandemic. Like they were kind of there, but not as solidified. And then because we knew the floodgates were going to open, we did everything we could to help the business run itself. Yeah. And, you know, that's something obviously that that was a natural fit, given that particular timing where you you didn't have a lot of things to do with your camera at that moment. So you could work on the business. Do you f feel that that's something that you'll want to block out time for in the future? You know, once a quarter, once a, a year where you can take time off to start to think about systems and finding people to help you so that when it does get busy again for the next peak season, or do you feel like, you know, you, you have the time to, to, um, to work on that, you know, kind of week in and week out. Yeah, I, I know you're very good at setting aside that time or you're hiking or things like that. I feel like I'm all, I don't know. I don't really set aside time. I'm, always constantly thinking of what we can do better. So, I mean, even in like our off time, like the holidays, like we don't, we're not like redoing our website then or getting back to people we haven't been getting back to. We are always running the business. So not really necessarily setting aside time, but always constantly trying to think of new and better things to help run the business. And I like that. You know, I think that it's important, obviously, to do both. Uh, you can't go through and push reset on business every every month or every quarter or every year, you know, maybe every year, but at least an evaluation. Otherwise, you'd be kind of zigzagging around uh, all the time with, you know, without pursuing a strategy long term. But I do like that you're taking time every week to go through and to do what needs to be done rather than having it pile up for mm -hmm. when the holidays are over and trying to oh, that just makes me anxious in. like to have a pile up like that just oh i can't do with that so i like to get it all done and we do like work as a team we have office days uh two to three times a week so we're constantly pushing each other um lisa is constantly pushing me and i'm pushing her and kayla as well so um in that way of having the team it's nice because like she's pushing me to make uncomfortable decisions or having uncomfortable conversations that I can't put off because I'm accountable to her. You know, like we're, she, I, I want the business to be successful for all of us. So as she pushes me, I definitely get uncomfortable and, and do those things. Well, I, I love that you're pushing yourself outside of that comfort zone. It, uh, it's something that I think people who like you and, and I are both high achievers that we need to feel a challenge in, in front of us. And I know that many business owners feel that way. 
I, I've done a lot of reading on burnout, especially over the last few years, because so many people in the wedding industry have burned out uh, mm-hmm. and are on the edge of burnout. And one of the things that we have to do is really connect ourselves with that, um, you know, that that interest. We have to reengage every day in our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't quit your job, Abby, because you own the business. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so, right. So, so the question is, how can you as an employee continue to promote yourself within your own company? And you found ways to do that over the 13 years. And you've gone from the photographer uh, as your primary, you know, day in, day out job to owning the business to CEO or president or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. title you want to put on it. Where where you're not caught up in the nuances, but you you are instead planning for the future and making sure that the trains are running on time and all of those things, and that that I think is a is a really hard transition for most people to make uh, because it, we we have a comfort zone and like you said mm-hmm. you you got pushed out of it by the people who are around you, <laughs> you know you obviously have employees uh, or, you know people who who work on your team, are there other people in the industry? not specific names, I don't need those, but just, you know, kinds of people that you have connected with, whether, uh, you know, a a peer-led mastermind or an accountability group or an informal mentor. Obviously, you and I have worked together. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, what are some of the relationships that have really, you know, helped out in supporting you and springboarding your career? Um, I'd say, I mean, outside of like our team here, um, just other photographers that have like, I've known kind of from the beginning and we've grown our business together. I mean, sorry, not together, but grown our business around the same pace. So always just checking in with them. I mean, I try to have like, you know, regular phone calls. It doesn't always allow, but just checking in with those people and catching up personally and professionally. I always learn something or think about something new. It sparks some kind of new interest. So a lot of photographers for sure. And, you know, I think there's a sentiment sometimes of, um, you know, wanting to be uh, friendly with with others, but not knowing how to approach it without looking thirsty. Um, you know, are, are, are you are you uh, or have you found that it's uh, tough to get in with other peers or is a simple outreach of, hey, I'm Abby, I'd love to hang. Uh, you know, h- how does it work? H- how did you start these relationships with other photographers? Um, some, well, the two that I have in mind, actually, like we had been on a couple vacations together. So, uh, um, Shira, who I'm sure, you know, Shira Savada, she used to plan these girls trips and we would take like a couple a year and we would just go to different cities and get to know each other. And that's kind of how it started, but then just grew more seeing them and engage rooming with them along the line. So it wasn't too hard. I didn't have to make any cold calls. I mean, other than that, I think it kind of would be harder to do that, but I wouldn't say it would be out of the question to try to form that relationship like online or, you know, not in real life. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I recommend to clients and other people who ask me about, you know, opportunities for building a professional network and going to a conference like Engage or, or, you know, birthday celebrations with people, it's not always the time that you spend with them at that Mm -hmm. particular function or on that vacation or at that conference. It's really more about the in-between moments Mm -hmm. that occur over six months or 12 month periods or even longer. It's the the connections that you've got to keep up with, uh, you know, day, day in, day out, week in, week out. You can't mm-hmm. neglect those. Otherwise, yeah. you're just you're just trying to get caught up every time you see the person. 
Right. And that was kind of like going back to pharmaceutical sales and frequency. Like it really is about frequency and like even just making friends in general, like you can see someone once and then like hit it off. But if you don't keep in touch with them, then that relationship is never going to form. So definitely, like you said, it's not just the conference, it's the after and keeping in touch and reaching out to help them or, you know, asking for help as well. So your background in pharmaceutical sales, ironically, very helpful for your mm-hmm. photography career. Relationships and building those and nurturing those sound like a really important part of what you've done. You know, what are what are some other skills that you find that you use day in and day out or, you know, that are incredibly helpful that that you would recommend others look at developing as well? I don't know. I saw so offline. I saw this question. I was like, I don't know the answer. I don't have an answer to this. I'm like, what are some examples? Well, you know, I I think um, you know, obviously, you, you know, the, some of the things that you have done um, relate to frequency, touch points. Uh, you know, making sure that you're balancing a lot of different things going on at one time. It sounds like time management is something mm-hmm. that you that you excel at and you and yeah. I haven't really talked much about this, yeah. but I've just kind of seen it. Um, it's kind of this like foundational skill that you've got to have to be able to do all of the things that you needed mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely say I excel at time management, but I don't really have like any systems in place that are like, you know, how to teach that. I'd say like, you know, for us, we do office days two to three times a week. And then other days we don't, I mean, we might work and do some editing here and there, but like, those are our days. Like I'll get a facial, I'll go work out. Like I'll watch Netflix. And, um, that just really helps me because I do love to be intense and to work. But if that was all the time, I would obviously burn out. So it's that combination of having those systems in place, like a virtual assistant to help you answer the inquiries. Um, so you can take those days off and go to lunch with a friend and get your facial. <laughs> so, so you're working hard and playing hard. You're, you're not working seven days a week. You're working super hard for a select few days a week and using those bursts of energy to get everything done that you need to, and then re-energizing. And you're doing that on the regular. Yeah, I like doing that. I like we, you know, we just I go through the calendar and just put um, like our office days and it just coincides with everyone's schedule so that we can all be together. But then other days, if, you know, I get an email and it's not in, not pertinent, I'll just be like, uh, thanks. You know, I'm going to look into this. I'll get back to you on Friday so that they know I'm getting back to them. But even if it's just something simple that might take me like 10 minutes to answer, I don't want to use that energy right then. I want to like sit on the couch and watch Netflix because that makes me feel energized for the other days. And sometimes too, like if it's before a big wedding, like, like if I'm going to leave on Friday, then Thursday, I want to take that day off and do nothing or, you know, get my errands done. So I feel like I can give Friday and not um, feel like I'm in a hamster wheel, like trying to stay afloat. I've gotten everything done and now I'm focused and like ready to give it my all. Yeah, I, I love that you brought that up. And it's interesting. I didn't know that, you, that that's how you schedule your time, which which I think is great, um, because, you know, I think it's so important to have that re-energizing experience, uh, mm-hmm. especially if you want the longevity. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when when I when I was training for a marathon, when I ran the marathon, I would do a run two miles and then walk one mile and run two miles. Sorry, not walk one mile, walk one minute, run two miles, walk one minute. And it was just mm-hmm. like that one minute, you know, like, yeah, mm-hmm. it slowed my pace down, but it allowed me 
me to get further. I mean, I, right. I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine trying to run a marathon again. And, and it's because it's so daunting, but I think also when you go through and look at a career and, and owning your business as a wedding professional, you know, again, you can't quit your job and go and find a new one without folding your company up. And mm-hmm. so that means that you've got to find a way to last. And mm-hmm. it, you know, obviously it's not that easy. Otherwise you'd find more 55 year old wedding photographers and there just aren't that many. Right. So I do think it's a, a misconception that a lot of, you know, solopreneurs or, or uh, young business owners have that, you know, you see the 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks that, you know, startups have, or you see portrayed on movies or in television shows, and that's how it goes. But I can tell you that my goal is to work somewhere between, you know, 35 and 45 hours a week. If I'm doing more than 50 hours a week consistently, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Something's broken. Right. And, yeah. and, and that's necessary because, um, because, because I need the time off. I, I need the vacation mm-hmm. as well. I need to spend time with my family. I need to make sure I nurture my friendships outside of the work and, and, and so many other things that are important that, that feed our spirits and fill our cup. So, um, I think that that's, that's important for, for longevity and, and, you know, there's some risk, I think, like you said, of, um, I'm just going to, even if it takes 10 minutes and I could do it right now, I'm not going to do it. Did that take you a while to feel comfortable saying no to people or, or at least saying you're going to have to wait? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I mean, I feel like I'm just coming around to it like this year <laughs> and, even just like, I didn't even know about like organizing your email inbox and putting into folders or snoozing things. Like that's been so life changing and so simple. Um, but to snooze things until like the office day. Um, so it's not in my inbox. And when I see it, I don't like get anxiety looking at it. It's, it's mostly empty. So that makes me have like better time management. I didn't even realize it was a thing. And then I think our virtual assistant ones that kind of showed us how to organize our email inbox. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, you're you're picking up lessons on that. I I'm still one of those. Everything's in my inbox. I think I have something like forty three thousand emails <laughs> in my inbox. And when I need something, I just search it. You know, like I would Google, and up it pops. Yeah, and, and, and it. that's what I was like. And I was like, oh, this works. But there's just something about not having that huge inbox when you look at your at your you know screen that it's just like one or two, and that just like makes you for me helps me feel like oh I can take this day off. Like, I don't have to answer this email now, or it can wait till, you know, a couple of days from now. Obviously, you know, I'm getting back to the important stuff. And then our leads are answered by our virtual assistant. So again, just having that business that helps runs itself so that you don't burn out. Cause that's been so, so helpful. I, I like did at the beginning go into some weddings and just like feel like I just gotten off the last one and then go into the next one. And sometimes that happens like during busy season and stuff like that. But I really, really try to take um, at least a day to re-energize. If not, like, I feel like for me, I can't even be a, I'm not as good as a photographer because I'm thinking about other things that I need to get done. Like I want to have that fresh mind going in. Mm. Are you taking, you know, extended periods of time off as well? Are you setting aside vacation time for yourself, girlfriends, family, things like that? Yeah, I mean, I'm not very like I definitely put the weddings first. And so usually my stuff is not like it can't be planned like six months out. So like I my college friends are very nice and they let us, you know, we'll kind of like target a date or target a time and then I'll let them know like a few months out and then we'll do it. So I definitely always I mean, if that big wedding comes along, like I want to be able to do it or something like along those lines. But the wedding industry 
it's so great because, you know, I'm not going to work every weekend. So um, there are going to be times to take off. Do you have trouble balancing your your professional life with things outside? I know you have, uh, you know, young family. You just had your, mm-hmm. your second kiddo. And obviously you've got uh, a marriage to tend to and uh, friends to to keep in touch with from college or, or, or elsewhere. You know, what's it like balancing the driven ambition that you have to create, you know, an amazing photography company and, and being responsible for your team and clients with also the duties that come as being, you know, Abby, the person and the wife and the mom and the friend. Yeah. I mean, I definitely find it difficult to balance sometimes and, um, gone a lot of weekends. I mean, my kids are still young. They're seven months and five. So we haven't really gotten into the weekend activities where I'd be missing. So we'll see when that time comes. Um, but other than that, you know, having those days that I take off or like I take to myself, then I'll go pick them up early and do stuff with them. Um, so that like I do, if I'm gone on the weekend, I don't feel bad because I'm able to pick them up early and spend that quality time then. And I used to, I think I've gotten like less intense because my husband would be like, you need to, it's like seven o'clock in the morning. I just woke up and you're like spouting all these ideas at me. (laughs) So I think I've like calmed down from that. I also have Lisa that I talk to a lot. So I don't talk to my husband as much about it. Uh, Like he is definitely a sounding board, but having some people outside of your, your, you know, your marriage or your um, to talk to about those things is really important too. So that I do have that time. I mean, he's definitely like, my sounding board, he, my husband, Jamie, he works in a corporate setting. So I always ask him about things like HR related or like, what's like, okay, you know, cause I have owned my own business for so long. I don't work in that bureaucratic world as much. So he helps me with those things. But other than that, I try to not talk about it too much. And on the weekends, like shut down um, business. If I don't have a wedding, it's really nice to just put the computer away and not work. I'm glad you brought that up because I think that, our businesses as you know solopreneurs or you know small companies leaders of small companies it's easy for our work to consume our lives mm-hmm. and uh you know i think one of the things that that is really challenging to do is to uh, really unplug and and not just unplug by like pulling out the the cord but but to you know just kind of like wind down your day. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of us work at home, which means that there's no commute. And, you know, I remember when I would go to work, uh, I would have that kind of lost in thought experience on the way home where I was, you know, just kind of breaking the day down. What happened? Um, you know, w- what are some things that I may need to make notes of? And, and even if it was 10, 15, 20 minutes, it allowed me that space, that cushion to decompress and then Mm -hmm. to, go inside and like, okay, I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to be a dad now. And when you're walking down the hallway Mm -hmm. (laughs) or, you know, you're getting up from the kitchen table because your honey comes home or your kids come home, there is no decompression. There is no distance between where you were at work and where you need to be as uh, a family member or, or a friend or whatever it may be. So uh, I, I love that you've got that, um, you know, that boundary established. And um, I do think that for newer business owners, that's a hard line to blur because mm. 
there's so much excitement. There's that honeymoon where you're like, I'm going to work right. 70 hours a week. Yes. And I love it. And I'm going to tell everybody about it. Uh, you know, Kate, Katie, obviously my wife and I, we work together and have, um, you know, the marriage was much easier when she was working at Four Seasons and I was doing the coaching and consulting work. It's so easy for us to just wake up in the morning and like, you get an email and then you go, Hey, what did, what happened with this thing? You know, but you would never do that with your wife or husband if right. you didn't work in the business together, especially for husband and wife teams, that, that boundary is really, really important. Um, and, and I will tell you that, you know, as your kids get older, they do start to pick up on it. You know, we have a, my daughter just turned 14 and, um, you know, my son is 13 and, you know, they, they're starting to get to the point where they're like, dad, put the phone down, be with us. Yeah. But, you know, where know. like I've, when they're four, they don't say that. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I would say like, I've just started to come around to this, like not like turning it off on the weekends I don't work or after five, like, because as my kids have gotten older, my five-year-old, like he is starting to notice. And I mean, it's crazy. Like my, they they've only grown up with, phone, like smartphones. Like I remember when I first started trying to post a Craigslist, I had this like weird phone. It like didn't really work to try to, you know, answer emails, but now like that's all he knows. And so I have to work to make sure all he knows is not me checking my phone. And that's like important too. So again, putting those systems in place because I don't want to leave anything untouched. And I am very big about getting responding quickly, but like getting to that place where you know what needs to be responded to at the right time, but and then also other people responding for you if you can't. Mm-hmm. And, and as we're, as we're talking about this, uh, and, and for those of you who don't know Abby, I'll just kind of, uh, pipe in here and just put a quick reminder in that, um, Abby runs a wildly successful and thriving business. It, you know, like going through and, you know, grabbing lunch with the girls and a facial and then, you know, watching Netflix <laughs> and hanging out with your kids and, um, you know, turning it off and making sure you go on vacations. This is all in addition to you creating this wildly successful company and you're photographing big events, multi-day events with multiple people who are photographing on your team and managing all of the, the day in and day out work that needs to be done with the business. But you're just making sure that you're keeping track of what's really, truly important in your life, not just obsessing about every new email that comes in. Yeah. And I mean, there was a point where I was like that. And then I do remember someone saying to me, it was a colleague, a photographer friend, like, Abby, you're the CEO. Like, you should only be doing things that no one else can do. And so you shouldn't be wasting your time on some other things that you could outsource. And that was like a big mind, like uh, eye opener to think in those terms. Cause it is hard to start outsourcing and like paying people to do something that you can do yourself, but then it leads to more growth. Um, just like the people probably in the wedding industry that like, once you leave your full-time job, um, it is scary, but when you take that leap, then your business can truly grow. I feel like outsourcing is similar to that as well. You have to pay that money to then grow. What were some of the things that that held you back from outsourcing? The thing I can do it myself, like, oh, I don't want to get that bill every month for, you know, doing something that I could send that email or I could, you know, balance my books because I could do that. But then I realized that it was just not something that I could do. Or like, you know, I went to engage for the first couple of times and I'm sitting in the bed, like writing all these emails. And I'm like, I should not be doing that. Like we've talked before about how engage like is not the, the usual, like, 
actual conference part, like the actual speakers are usually that you make the connections, it's the time off. So I want to either be, you know, connecting with people or like letting my mind relax because it also is overwhelming too when you're at engage and there's so many things going on. So I don't, the last thing I want to be doing is answering an email or trying to, you know, reconcile some kind of expense. Um, so how can I outsource that? So then I can like run the business better. You know, they, they say, they say, I say, everybody says, if you get <laughs> one big idea or one big takeaway from a conference, it's worth the expense of money and time. And mm-hmm. I could just imagine you like in your hotel room, getting text <laughs> or feeling FOMO. And you're like, this is so stupid. Why am I in here working after spending thousands of dollars and taking a mm-hmm. week off to come to the conference? And I can't even do what I know that I need to do while I'm here. Mm-hmm. Like that, yeah. I could literally see the light bulb above your head going <laughs> off. Yeah. And, and you're going like, I'm changing things as soon as I get back to town. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Like, I mean, answering inquiries is a lot of work because you want to do it in a timely, you want to do it like the correct way. And that is a lot of work in itself. So that was just something that I would spend like 30 minutes a day doing. And I was like, this is not something that I should be doing. I need to put a system in place that those inquiries can be answered. And then I can take the phone calls that are qualified. So things that got in your way, obstacles that you had to overcome were um, setting up a system for somebody else to be Mm -hmm. able to operate it. And that's Mm -hmm. that that can take a lot of time. Right. That's like something you got to front load. You might spend Mm -hmm. 10, 20, 30 hours trying to find a a VA or an assistant uh, trying to write down what your standard operating procedures are. uh, And then obviously training that person. And then you have to provide more supervision and oversight and then feedback and coaching to get them to the point where they need to be. And that can take a lot of time. So uh, time obviously is another factor. You you mentioned in passing, you know, why would I pay somebody to do what I can do myself? Um, You know, I I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but I talk about a lot with clients. Don't trip over dimes to pick up pennies. You're like, I could save, you know, 20 bucks an hour, but you're now doing something that you could save 20 bucks an hour, but it's preventing you from, you know, earning another 10,000, 15, $20,000 at a wedding because you're doing stuff that you could outsource mm-hmm. instead. I think that there's a, 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 that light bulb moment that occurs at epiphany where, where we go like, this is dumb. Like, why, why am I trying to save 20 bucks an hour when I could be making 200 doing something mm-hmm. that I actually like doing rather than something that I don't? Yeah. And it's definitely just taking that leap because like you as a business owner, you're counting the pennies and you don't want to spend on something that again, you could do yourself. And it just, it's hard to, you know, pay that bill every month, but it's really just taking that leap to know that it's going to make your business better and your like overall well-being. Yeah. And you're probably looking at dumping some of the things that you don't like doing very much and some of the things that that maybe you aren't as skilled at. And that's always a good good place to start. Yeah. Knowing your weaknesses. (laughs) What are some of the speaking of weaknesses? What are some what are some weaknesses that that you've come to accept as a business owner? Some things that you're not good at, uh, you know, that 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 you either had to get good at or you had to just accept and, and give away as responsibilities. Yeah. So like, I mean, I think about social media. So the one, like I like taking pictures and telling a story through pictures, but through words, I am not good at writing. So that was the, why we originally started sort outsourcing social media was to help write our captions. Like we write an idea, but then they write it better in a, in our brand voice. 
because I would spend hours and it'd be like, this is still bad. And I, I love this picture. It needs to have the copy to, to um, match it. And it wasn't, it was, I just knew I wasn't a writer. So that was like the first, I, maybe one of the first times that we started outsourcing was just because I knew that both Lisa and I were not writers and there's just no way we we're going to do the picture justice with the copy. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have trouble writing. That's why, you know, three plus years ago, you know, Katie and I sat down and decided we were going to get into copywriting because mm-hmm. it's really challenging and it's not a thing that you can train somebody on, mm-hmm. you know, like that's yeah. a skill. I think that you were like, you know, tap, tap uncle. I, I can't do it. And, you know, right. I'm not going to go to four years worth of college to learn right. how to write. So right. why not just yeah. outsource something? I think that's smart. What's one other thing that, that you still struggle with on, on the daily? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, I mean, I like running the business. I feel like creatively, sometimes it's easy to get stale and I am not like some people are very good about just being inspired by so many things that they see out in the world. I feel like I'm not as like the creative type. I'm more the business type. So really trying to push myself creatively um, to continue to evolve. Like, you know, I've been doing this for 13 years. Things have changed so much about what is the gold standard. So being able to see it in advance and then switch has been my thing, which is not as much creative as it is strategic. So sometimes like, being creative, I feel like I definitely have to push myself or I could end up with like the same pictures every time. And then, you know, after 13 years, you're going to be really bored. So really trying to push to do things differently. And that's something that I think everybody struggles with after doing anything for 13 years, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's your, you know, with a camera or floral design uh, or even outside of work. It's always a challenge mm-hmm. to try to create something new and, uh, you know, not just for your clients, but also for you to capture your own mm-hmm. interests so that you don't get bored with yourself. Yeah. If that's something that's tough, uh, you know, or, or that that's hard to do uh, day in and day out, what is your number one favorite thing that you do in a given work week? You know, when you, when you wake up on Monday morning or Tuesday morning for you maybe, <laughs> and you're like, you know what? I am so pumped because I get to do this thing this week. What does that tend to be? I mean, I think it obviously just goes back to the weddings, like the weddings that you're inspired by. We've shifted more to like a team aspect at weddings, like our big wedding. So we have one this weekend and it's going to be myself, Lisa and Kayla coming. And I'm very excited that we get to like talk about it together and we're going to go through the walkthrough and we're going to like strategize what pictures we want. And after Friday night and meeting the couple and the families, we have more ideas to talk about. So I really do love those like weekends that it's the us as a team and we work together. Obviously it's like more, some weddings inspire us more than others. So when it's that really inspiring wedding that's coming up and we're working together as a team to just like push ourselves, that's where I feel like, as I said, like create Creatively, that's not my forte. That's where I get pushed creatively. It's like we three push each other to get these images uh, that you wouldn't normally get or like you'd be too scared to get or something. 
I, I love hearing you say that you're always pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. I mean, here you said that the thing I'm most excited about <laughs> is doing something that I'm not necessarily really good at, right? You know, with instinctually or naturally. Um, I think that's one of the things that does make you so successful, Abby, is that you're constantly looking to push yourself even after 13 years. I, I was reading this this uh, book uh, for our, our online membership community, and and in it, the author relayed a story specifically about continuing to push yourself about the Toastmasters champion, the international champion of Toastmasters. He had just won, and that day or, or, or that week, he went back home and bought a book on how to be a better public speaker, even though he had just won uh, and, you know, the distinction out of thousands, tens of thousands of competitors as the best public speaker, he's still thinking, how can I get better at this? How can I challenge myself to improve and hone my skills? I think that's something that's going to continue to go a long ways for you. As you go through and think about, you know, your your next 10 years, five years, whatever it may be, mm-hmm. and you think about what success looks like, you've already achieved so much. You know, when I go through and think about levels of success or goals that a lot of people have in the wedding industry, whether you're a photographer or not, you know, uh, charging a lot uh, for your services, working with really great team members, uh, both internally and and on your vendor team, um, doing big events over the course of multiple days that have huge budgets and working with really great clients. What are some things that you see as success for your business in the next several years, what what do you have your eye on being so goal oriented, going back to your, your farm sales days? I mean, yes, like I do feel a level of success and, um, hearing you say that, I'm like, yeah, that is a good business, but I still feel like we still have so much more to grow. Like we have bigger weddings to do and more relationships to grow as well. So like I, there's, yeah, not something bigger or grander as far as like other ventures, but I just feel like we're not at the top and that we can grow more. And that is like really where the push is. So that's success. What about looking backwards at regrets as a business owner? I know that I have a ton where <laughs> I'm like, why didn't I do this sooner? One of them is actually a podcast. I was told several years ago, <laughs> somebody said, you should do a podcast, Sam. And I, I thought, wow, that sounds like a lot of work. And I, I mostly thought it was because of my voice and, and having that kind of baritone voice. But what I realized actually is that it's a great way to impact a lot of professionals, which is really what fills my cup is helping people mm-hmm. find success with their businesses and and knowing that I can do that week in, week out and and have hundreds of people who are bettering themselves and their businesses. I wish I would have done that sooner. When you look back, do you have any any big regrets as a business owner that you wish you would have done differently? I mean, it's kind of stuff that we touched on. Like I'm just starting to come around to having those days off and like really being able to enjoy them because it took so long to build a business and then my mind is always going. So really like being able to turn it off and enjoy life outside of work, that's been something that's taken me a long time to learn. And I feel like literally just this year is like the first year that I can enjoy it. I remember like before I had kids, I really don't actually have that many hobbies outside of work. So it was hard when I wasn't working. I was like, I don't know what to do because I don't have anything. Like I don't want to go hiking and I don't want to do anything else. I want to work. So really it was like my kids that 
forced me to realize that I need to uh, like that. And they're not my hobby, but they're like the other thing outside of work that I can focus on. And so building that business that I can enjoy that balance, I finally had that goal in mind. So that was really something that I wish I'd done earlier is able to enjoy life out of work because it's just now coming around after 13 years. I think that's a good regret to have, right? And, um, you know, and it, it's awesome that you have that now. You know, it may have occurred, you know, 12, 13 years into your business, but, you know, your kids are young and you, uh, I, I'm doing the math in my head. I won't, I won't name a number, but it's not like you're 65 <laughs> and on the edge of retirement. And so, you know, you've still got a lot of opportunity to tap into that, that realization. Mm-hmm. Any other advice that you would give to your former self or, somebody who's maybe not as far along or as accomplished as you are that that you would suggest they consider earlier rather than later in developing their business? I think just like not being scared that a lot of people like fear holds them back from trying new things or reaching out to someone that then they'll never move forward. Like the worst thing usually is that you'll get told no. And then like that, then you move on. So I think that that is something very helpful for people is that like not letting fear hold them back to just keep on trying. And usually like when you like, when I'm talking, I don't even have examples, but maybe like reaching out to someone that you want to work with, you know, like if you don't do it, then you risk never having that relationship. But the worst thing is that they say no, but then no one else really knows. So it's not like you're, you know, blasting out to the world that you got rejected. So like really just thinking about the consequence being no and how that's really not that bad and not letting fear hold you back. I think that's sage advice. I really do. I, uh, you know, I, I've had, uh, my, my stepmom recently passed away and, uh, it's, you know, shortly, uh, before my my eight year anniversary now of my mom passing away. And, you know, we had these little reminders and, uh, you know, I, I remember reading somewhere at some point that when we get towards the end of life, that we look back on the things that we didn't do. And those are our regrets rather than the things that we did do that we failed at. And I think as a business owner, it takes us a long time to get that through and to feel comfortable with that sentiment of, you know what, I can I can give this a shot and you're right, I might fail. Uh, But at the end of it, I'm going to look back on it and know that I tried and I gave myself the opportunity. And that's that's really all that we can do. We can we can put in, like we said earlier, we can do all the activities that we know are the right things to do. Ultimately, it's up to somebody else to decide. And, and, and that's, that's not up to us. We have to let go of that. Definitely. Well, thank you, Abby, for the conversation. There's so many more questions that I have for you, but I want to <laughs> keep this to keep this to our, our regular one hour conversation. Um, tell, tell the audience if they wanted to find out more information about you and, and your business and your brand and what kind of work you do and who you work with, what are some good places to find that? Um, you know, like most people, Instagram, it's at Abby Jew, and that is probably the best place to keep up with us. Uh, we do update our site pretty regularly, but Instagram's definitely the best place. And I'm sure that they'll have some really great copy under those captions when, when they <laughs> yes. go through and read the post. Thanks, trying, Abby. Trying. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Boom. 
That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we'd settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 